Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. Five, four, three, two, one. We are live. Live and kicking. Sunday night. Whatever happened to live and kicking? It was also Saturday morning. That was Sunday night. No, but you know, it's bringing it back. I know. Uh, wasn't it something Zoe Wall used to do? She's uh, now does Radio Two Breakfast, doesn't she? I don't. I'm now googling it because I can't actually remember who was in it. What was that Phil Schofield? I don't know. It was a good few years ago. I think it was like a good just few designed... years ago. Jesus Christ, mate! That's when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, it was. I think it was just kind of coming out of things just as I was is that way they used to do wonky donkey yes I think yeah, that was okay. out the deck um, live and kicking was running from 1993 to 2001 oh right yeah so 90 you say 93 then yeah 93 that was the year I was born yeah so. um, there we go so uh, established series 2 it reached its height in popularity during season 4 Oh, sorry, Series 4, when it was presented by Zoe Ball and Jamie Theakston. Ooh, Apparently their oh. final episode won a BAFTA award. Wow. That's crazy for That's just outrageous. a weekly, weekly TV thing. Yeah, after uh, after that bollocks bit, they dropped it for SMTV, which I've never... Ah, uh, right, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, because they always used to have Tizer advertising it, and it was like that Tizer had. Uh, I remember that. I don't remember Ch- that. Childhood um, support. I'm also wrong bollocks on Schofield, because it looks like... Original host Andy Peters, maybe that's why I'm getting confused. Not that they look alike, but obviously similar genre of, um, I suppose, presenters. Emma Forbes. God, can you remember Emma Forbes? No. Um, no, I didn't think so. Um, <laughs> and also John Barrowman, that legend. Legend that is John Barrowman. Oh, yeah. I've, uh, yeah. Did I see John? I'm sure I went to see something on stage and John was in it. He's um, done, obviously, a lot of stuff and, and obviously, like... Um, I don't know if produced is the right word, but choreographed, maybe, I don't know. He's obviously done a lot of stuff, hasn't he? John, yeah, he was... Um, John, the leading... your mate John. Yeah, my John, mate John. John yeah. Uh, he was the leading Torchwood for a while. Uh, well, when that, that whole time, that was really that was really good. I used to really... It was like a Doctor Who spin-off. Um, Never seen either. No. Uh, and then he's done a lot of... He's very kind of like singy, dancey. Yes! Mm. He is. Um, yeah, Trevor and Simon as well. Look at that, Mr. Blobby. He was also in it. <laughs> Sarah Kaywood, I remember her. Katie Hill, I remember her. Autis, is it Daly? I think that's how I pronounce it. Simon. God, there's some blasts from the past. Show my age very now. I bet, well, I mean, even myself, I haven't got a clue who you're talking about right now. Right. Um, so I bet a lot of the listeners are going to be the same if we have any young listeners. Yeah, well, a lot of these people, I think they all kind of floated around this and then like present them TV and all that shit at times. But yeah. anyway, by the by, this is a nutrition podcast and we're talking about live and kicking. We've got to, got to stay this time. Yeah, true. We do like a bit of flexibility in all walks of life. Um... How the devil are you, my friend? I understand you've just had a lovely meal with some uh, friends, was it? Or? Uh, yeah, just at Alex's. And, uh, they've had a few, few friends who we go and watch in horse shows a lot. They've come over for, for some I food because they've just come back from horse show. Yeah, they love, love a horse. Um, sure. So uh, <laughs> so they've come over tea, uh, for tea and I've just bailed. So, yeah. Because for you lovely people, that's why. That's why. Priorities. So. Priorities. I know, right? 
Um, and then today I did a, <laughs> uh, so Alex has got a charity bike ride in a couple of weeks time. Um, it's a 60 mile bike ride and she's never really done more than, well, until I bought her a bike, uh, for a birthday in July, she'd never really ridden a bike that much since she was about six years old. Um, so she's been building it up, building it up. I said, right, this weekend you need to go on a big ride. You need to do potentially another big ride, uh, towards the end of the week and then, and then, then you take get on the bike. And then what? Then you've got to get out on the bike. And then you've got to get on the bike, exactly. Um, <laughs> and actually, yeah, learn how to ride a two-wheeler. Uh, That's not what I meant, but yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so she was like, she was saying, I, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it. Um, I said, this is right, let's compromise, it's gone 30, let's do 30 miles, because I was trying to get to do 40. Um, so, and then she invites my sister along, who's also doing this bike ride, and her training has consisted of two rides of about five miles, um, and she's self-proclaimed unfit and asthmatic and um, hasn't ridden a bike for 10 years, so she's got to do 60 miles in two weeks' time. So we invited her along. We rode to like the halfway point between Alex's and mine, so that was like uh, about 10 miles, I think. Uh, so we rode to there, then we met my sister, did did a ride with her, and then we rode back. Um, I The route I picked, I forgot how hilly it was, uh, at one point, there was a, a hill which is about 16% uh, gradient, and that went on for about a kilometre, like 16% for like literally the whole kilometre. I, 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 remember, I remember when I was in in around your area and driving from, where was I, Congleton? That was sort of way, wasn't I? Driving from Congleton down to Leek. Um, yeah, yeah. I remember thinking, wow, this is like up in the mountains. Yeah, yeah. And if you go through Leek and go the other way, then you're into the Staffordshire Moorlands, and it's like that 10 times 10 um yes yeah, really really hilly so um <laughs> so i now don't think my sister's speaking to me anymore uh <laughs> because yeah. it, she did 17 miles of just pure hills uh, and then she got locked out she left a key in a car at my, sister, my sister's house and then like yeah we we're at home and she couldn't get in so got to sit outside for two hours <laughs> yes. so so yeah, we did a cheeky little 50 miler today, which was good. Um, yeah, so I'm a bit, I'm starting to seize up now, I must admit. So. Should be all right. Uh, I take it they're on road bikes, was it hybrid? I can't remember what Alex has got. Alex has got a hybrid, I've got a road bike, so. Yeah. Oh, she'll find it harder than you then, obviously, but. Yeah, she was tanking along, like, I was glad we went no quicker by the end, <laughs> I must admit. <laughs> good, so. that's good. Well, obviously, yeah. you've got no gains to lose anyway, so it's not like the extra cardio is going to be much of a problem for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, Alex did say my legs were looking small the other day. Um, I nearly shed a tear, um, but then I just remembered I'll just uh, I'll, I'll get it back somehow. To be fair, actually, well, cycling is probably the best thing for your legs to, or best oh, exactly. to not lose your legs because obviously it most replicates any form of squat pattern. So yeah, and I by the end of it because uh, we stopped off at a pub nearby and just had a pint and then did the last mile. Um, we couldn't quite make it the last mile home without having a pint. So oh, sure. um, <laughs> so. Uh, and then the a knee twinge that I get when squatting, I started to get then. Um, so yeah, so you must be right. Yeah, must be. Um, oh, well, I am right because it is the most similar. <laughs> to be honest, right. Obviously, some people do worry, and I joke about losing your gains doing cardio. Some people listening might think, "Oh, is he serious? Is he, is, is, we all know you shouldn't be doing cardio because you might, you know, you might get smaller." Element of truth, I suppose, in terms of like you do too much cardio, but it's all in the dose. But there's some. Um, conflicting kind of signals from cardio and resistance training so concurrent training obviously doing both resistance and cardio can be a bit difficult to manage um but as i say i don't think you need to worry too much but if you do worry one of the best forms to do is probably cycling 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's not really going to help the upper body, but yeah. No, but I mean, in terms of interference effect, um, mm-hmm. less interference, most um, applicable, what's the word, transferable, transferable to, mm-hmm. as I say, the lower half um, with, like I say, it's very much like a squat pattern, obviously you're just pushing down. And for the most people, unless you're wearing cleats and very good at them, no eccentric part of it either. It's all concentric. So you get very little, or sorry, a lot less muscle damage compared to, say, running. Because there's quite an eccentric yeah, yeah. part of running. Because obviously, for momentum and keep yourself stable on the ground, you kind of don't realize how much um, like hamstring and quad uh, resistance or isometric stuff, I think, is probably, I don't know if isometric is the right phrase, actually. But basically, you use a lot of... Um, muscles while you're or eccentric movements to basically stabilize yourself so that's why you kind of can still get quite sore running you get less sore doing cycling or um i don't know like prowler pushes where there's almost no eccentric because you're just pushing forward all the time yeah it's just like the impact as well is massive uh, just the, the reduced amount of impact yeah. when you're running especially running on road and stuff like that the joint how issues, many people yeah. yeah how many people get shin splints and all that sort of stuff so uh, no, I really enjoy cycling, and I'm glad, really, really glad I've got back into it this year. So, Good. yeah. Good. Well, as you know, me and Benny been doing a bit of cardio every week for a while now, for probably most of this year now, actually. Yeah, it's been so, a while, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah, we did a nice little 10K this weekend. I think we did it in about 47 and a half minutes. Good. Isn't bad. Bear in mind, I'm not far off peak mass. So Yeah, um, yeah. Imagine losing five kilos weekend. and doing it again. Yeah, I'd like to think probably shave a couple of minutes off that, losing sort of five, maybe plus. I mean, well if I can lose more obviously even better but the problem is once you start getting too much in a deficit and over too much time there is this kind of continuum of obviously you're reducing your body weight and you kind of maximise oxygen um, efficiency and stuff like that but you obviously then also just bring down energy availability which also affects problems in the other way so you kind of have to uh, balance it out a bit that's what I found hardest last time um that's what I found hardest, like age or last time when I was dieting, when I was doing some cardio, and I found it harder that trying to kind of do any type of, I don't, I don't want to use the word endurance work because it's not really like massively long distance, but any type of like longer duration stuff on low calories, really hard to kind of manage and periodize and, and kind of get get into your program without really feeling dieting, like you're going to die. So you kind of, again, you've kind of got this balancing act. Yeah, it's a funny one because I find quite often it's a case of, during and pre is fine but then you end up sandwiching all your like basically all your food around doing the the longer the longer bits of exercise and then you have nothing for the rest of the day that's kind of one issue and then also after you've done it like i did it today when we uh, stopped for some lunch um i just once you start eating you find it really hard to stop and if you've got food available you're like oh well i'll have that and i'll have that even if you are keeping to a strict calorie allowance you'll just be like, well, I'll, I'll just pinch that from later on in the day. And you end up eating it all then when, when you kind of didn't really need to or, or mean to. And then, as we've spoken about before, you go and do that and then like, you've, you've gone and done an hour's run. You just go lie down all day because you're knackered. Um, yep. So, yeah, and then you don't end up moving for the rest of the day and you end up doing, sometimes it could be less steps, depends how quick you go. Like, if you do a quick hour's run, then you you, know, you could probably smash out 25, 30,000 steps. But if you... Um, I think in the in the ten K we did probably at a guess probably I think I did about nine thousand. But obviously oh, okay. all, all steps aren't equal though, obviously in you know, walking nine thousand steps and running nine thousand steps um isn't the same. Like Oh god no, yeah. So yeah. I, I kind of think to myself, well, I try not to ca- as much as I obviously it's just my watch and I'm not I'm not kind of worried I've got no specific kind of goals or endpoints at the moment where I have to really 
be kind of detailed around like my energy output or even my energy input and stuff like that. So I'm not really worried about it. But if I was dieting and prepping, I'd try not to use my step count while I'm doing cardio because I think it just gives you another variable that to to worry about or it kind of could mix up some of your data. So yeah, I think you have to be quite almost sh- strict with it. I do use it with some clients. Um, so I'll either use sort of like time on the same machine and kind of do it that way. Um, or sometimes I'll, I'll say, right, okay, we're going to increase your step count for the for the day. Um, I think it depends on kind of the client, how they're going to do things and, and that sort of stuff. Because um, I, I know I've used steps for, diet, for, for doing cardio before. Yeah, yeah. And I've just said, right, okay, this many steps is about this amount of time on a treadmill, which burns about this many calories. Um, so I kind of, you know, it's, it's rough, but... Um, it worked pretty well, so I went from kind of you know doing like ten thousand steps to doing twelve thousand a day, fourteen thousand a day, and just kind of built it up like that way. And then it meant I didn't have to just do my cardio in the gym; I could go and walk outside and stuff as well. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a great po- great point, and I think definitely underutilized form of exercise walking for the reason you just said. Um, mm. I suppose the point I was making was more around, well, not more around. It was kind of like I. Because all steps aren't equal, because obviously if you're running 10,000 steps, your energy output's going to be a lot, lot higher than if you walk 10,000 steps. Yeah. Um, because obviously your stride length's a lot further, there's a lot more effort going in, so you're covering a lot more distance, and just you, like your energy expenditure will be a lot higher. So um, that's why it's kind of like, I mean, obviously if you're in a uh, fat loss phase, you could argue, well, that's a good thing. It's just a bonus, because obviously it means your energy output's higher, and you're only, equate, you're only relying on 10,000 walking steps, say, rather than running steps, so actually you've got a little bonus there. I just think for most people, I would say actually, no, you can still count them, but separate them off so that if you say did 5,000 steps and then you did some cardio and you did another 5,000 steps, then make sure you get another 5,000 steps walking and then count the cardio on top in terms of what you're doing, that type of stuff. Just when I say count, I mean, obviously like tell your coach or or include it in your plan as that additional cardio done. Because otherwise I think it just kind of gets absorbed and then when you're making progress one week and not the next and you don't know why because all your data is a bit messed up because one week you did 10,000 steps running one week you did 5,000 steps walking and that type of stuff I don't know yeah yeah and you see it also where they just count it as their like daily step target as well so if they're on like 8,000 steps for the day anyway as a minimum and then they go and say right okay well I've done 9,000 steps today 5,000 of that was running you're like well we're actually probably a little bit worse off than better off um, so yeah uh, definitely um yeah, it's a funny one, cardio, and I think kind of it's a bit horses for courses with the way people do it and respond to it and, and all that sort of stuff. Definitely, yeah. I don't. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not suggesting there's a right or wrong way really for how because I guess all it's just there's more about consistency and anything, isn't it? Which is a point you oh, made. Oh, gotcha. Anyway, point you made anyway because you're saying like you know you aren't saying there's a right or wrong because you do different ways for different people. But I suppose one thing you do want is consistency across those individuals. Mm-hmm. yeah and don't do one one week and one the next week and that's kind of where I went with the cardio thing of saying you know the reason why I don't necessarily go you know go do 20 minutes on the treadmill well what height is it what gradient is it what resistance is it um is it what this make a treadmill or that make a treadmill what do they count as like an average human um have you entered your weight your height have you entered you know all the sort of details in the treadmill or are you just running it on whoever was on before you that could have been a you know 50 kilo three foot two uh, lady or it could have been you know 100 kilo six foot four man um yeah completely different uh so yeah if yeah. you're if you're counting time I suppose there's there's some pitfalls in counting time in that as you lose weight get smaller the same time is going to equate to less calories burned because you might run at the same time the same effort level but you'll burn less calories because you're smaller yeah um, 
if you're counting calories, um, then same problem you've got really in that if you if you're you the time would then have to adjust because obviously you'd have to have more time to burn more calories or burn the same amount of calories. So and obviously if people don't adjust their time, they end up just burning less calories. So again, you kind of got to be consistent across the, the method or way you do it. Um, I think just while we're on it, I mean, if my, my prescription is usually count calories for machines, um, but make sure you are obviously adjusting the settings so that you're putting in your height and weight and stuff. And I think, all right, it's never going to be accurate and it's still, but hopefully it'll be at least reasonably consistent, mm-hmm. if not accurate. So for that point, as you get lose weight, you should, I, I, I not ideally, you should, um, you should be having to spend more time doing it unless you up your effort levels to burn the same amount of calories. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. If, if I know somebody's going to do it all in the gym, uh, then I will say, right, okay, it's we'll do calories. And I'll tend to say, please use the same form. So don't pick something like the, the hand bike to do all of your cardio on for the next six weeks or whatever because you're not going to want to do that every week. <laughs> You'll do it for the first session. Um, so pick something that you are going to do it on just for that consistency instead of jumping between the exercise bike, the treadmill, the cross trainer, the rower, um, just because they're all kind of, they are going to be slightly different and have different variants. Uh, I suppose that wouldn't matter if it's just fat loss. If if you've got someone, as in general fat loss or general problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if obviously you've got someone with more specific goals, like a time-related goal, whether stage, prep, photo shoot, that type of stuff, then obviously it makes more more of a difference and more problematic yeah because you've got to be you've got to be going to uh more refined line there than just kind of a case of, there's a difference between losing you know if you're aiming to lose a kilo a week and you've only lost half a kilo somebody who's not got a time sensitive goal and a, a very kind of appearance sensitive goal uh it doesn't kind of matter for a week whereas if that's kind of been budgeted in and and you're already pushing it as it is then and then you know you've got a photo shoot or a competition or something like that then uh, yeah it, it can really affect things and then can affect the athlete as well as as, as everything else so yeah 100 percent, young edward so have you been up to anything else or just uh, your 10k this week well first week of my new meso cycle started today um so it was delayed week last week much easier i think that's yeah, probably helped my time because we did slightly under 10k last week and it wasn't a, a quick i mean it's still the right pace i think it's like four 4.45 per minute and i think obviously the 10k we did this week was like 4.33 um per kilometer per minute so pretty good um but the i think the increase in because basically i got to the end of last week i nearly died honestly i felt sick and i felt horrible that it was hot it was, I, I said to ben like this is the sort of running where if you were smart you wouldn't go out at that time and run in that heat because oh, it's only, only, probably only early 20s 22 23 but I just felt no breeze and just you could just tell the heat was just exhausting um bit a couple of degrees cooler this time the fact that it was a deload week meant my legs obviously were a lot lot um lighter than usual which is which is honestly I think sometimes you think to yourself like you, you don't understand or kind of realize how much like a leg session can affect performance like bear in mind I train legs Sunday, Wednesday. We then ran on Friday this week, uh, or last week, sorry, the week before last, the time I found it hard. So there's only really like, obviously, leg session Sunday, just mostly recovered for the session on Wednesday, still a little bit of soreness, but I would say pretty much like one day from full recovery, so no, no soreness, which is I'm usually fine with training, like week in and week out like that. Um, and then obviously only then two more days before we run. 
um, my legs are heavy and obviously sometimes I get to a point where like my glutes just are so they almost feel pumped but sore mm -hmm. they almost feel yeah, like, yeah. like they're pumped but they're not they're not pumped from running they're just sore and that's what they feel like they're, so they just feel like they're tiring out and then you get a couple of miles in you think oh my god I've got to do another like four or five miles like this um, it's not easy but this week obviously I have a deload much better hence quicker pace and to be honest didn't feel like it didn't feel like it. if I was kind of judged the runs on RPE previous week 10 this week probably only an 8.5 maybe a 9 so despite the better performance so good <laughs> yeah it's amazing how much that can impact things and affect things and yeah no it's hugely, good it's good hugely uh, so um, yeah now other than that obviously training deload was fine uh, nice set, early session this week as a nice what I like to call kind of, sort of as a see it week so it's um, like an intro week just up, up my weights for most of my exercises this week but just again I have I, I work on an RAR and RPE basis of um, in and around a three for the first week and then two then a one then a one and then usually um, I'll then deload so kind of four to one ratio so that's where I am with my training really so um, we'll see I think um, it's my birthday tomorrow so just drop, drop that yeah, just drop, drop it that. and the reason I dropped that is because we are going to one of my favourite restaurants uh, tomorrow for my birthday and I will be eating some ridiculous amount of food um, and as you well know Edward there is a certain tiny little breakaway coming up in the middle of September where we will be sunning ourselves on a yacht and on the beach and I figure would I be comfortable going away like this right now? I'm kind of 50-50 in my mind. We spoke the last couple of weeks where I've been kind of toying with the idea of a diet because of where I am in kind of my physique being towards peak mass. And um, everyone doesn't know what peak mass is. It, it seems obvious what that means, right? Peak mass, as in you're at the top end of your massing cycle, just in case people wasn't aware. Um, that's where I feel. I'm probably at my top end of where... It's, I kind of feel like I'm probably getting effective muscle growth and any if I kind of keep pushing it too much I mean I've still got a bit of leeway probably I'm not like right right peak mass but I kind of feel like if I push it too much I'll probably just keep getting fatter and not build a, like a huge amount of muscle um, and that's from experience really that's more from like getting too fat too many times in the past and thinking every time I've done that I probably need to stop a bit earlier or not go quite as fast um, anyway so because I'm kind of there and then the incentive of kind of being seen in public by loads of people obviously a lot of them we are, a few people we're not going to know um, mm -hmm. I kind of feel like I, w I could probably just swallow it a little bit and be like you know what fuck it you know it, I, everyone's going to not everyone's going to know but obviously I am purposefully pushing pu pushing this weight up um, so therefore should I be bothered about it it's nice you know it hasn't just crept up and oh my god I'm a son of a really fat no I've been purposely pushing my weight up and getting a bit chunky so it's kind of like I could just swallow it and accept it but then on the flip side I'm kind of toying between well but it's also nice to be um, a little bit leaner um, and obviously it's maybe kind of tends to my my knees to, to obviously diet I don't know my form of fat boy syndrome a little bit as well so uh, and then you'd be doing what Dan Max uh, said about you and you'd be dieting all the time it's a funny one because I I was speaking to Alex about exactly the same thing and um, I said I don't, I don't know what to do like we, we're what are we like are we four weeks four weeks yeah just under four weeks away from going away it's so basically uh, Brett and I are going on stag do with Matt if you remember Matt if you've been a long enough listener he was with Triple M like back in the early early days uh, he's getting married in a couple of months time so we're going on his stag do to Portugal uh, 
I hope he knows that's where he's going, and I hope he's. <laughs> he ain't fucking listening anyway anymore. Uh, let's hope not, because you've just given away half the stack. Uh, which he I knows said nothing, nothing about, about where we were going. Outrageous. He knows where he's going. I think he knows where he's going. Um, anyway, I don't think we'll he does. say no more. I don't um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, and I said exactly the same. I said, you know, I'm I'm more than comfortable with my body at the moment. But then I was like, oh, I'm going to be with loads of lads, and then you're going to feel pressure to be a little bit leaner. But then I sort of said, well. Uh, we all know Matt doesn't know how to diet anyway, and he lasts like a week on a diet, so he's not going to be shredded or anything like that. Um, and I said, Brett's is, is peak mass, so he's um, he'll probably still have abs, but uh, <laughs> two abs, <laughs> two abs. Um, so I said, you know what, I'm, I'm probably pretty comfortable. I might just kind of rein it in a little bit. Hockey starts again this week, so I'm going to be moving a hell of a lot more. Um, so uh, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. It's not going to be any strict diet, but I'll just kind of be mindful over the next few weeks. Um, I but, just, uh, yeah. I just thought I could probably do like a three-week, reasonably moderate. I was gonna say, I was gonna say aggressive, probably a moderate um, diet for three weeks, and just probably get off four or five genuine, no, maybe four genuine pounds of body fat, which, to be honest, can make a huge difference. Mm. Yeah, oh god, yeah, yeah, it can make like so much difference and i think sometimes it can just be that like fine line between one pound or, or another pound um between seeing the changes where you want to see them um so sometimes like i know with me if i'm like down at say 80 kilos like i feel so comfortable there and i feel really really good and I, you know i have like probably four abs um so I've, i feel really really good um whereas as soon as i go up to like 82 kilos i know i said pounds before and now i'm talking kilos but if i got to 82 kilos then all of a sudden like everything disappears everything washes out and i, I don't feel as as good as at 80 kilos but i'm still really comfortable and that's about where i am now yeah. so well that's that's almost where i am like, i think the last couple of pounds average increase over the past four weeks has very much seen me go from reasonable all right abs to just about clicking in there yeah. Like as mm. in just a couple, just about clinging on, and obviously yeah, like that's, after a poo. <laughs> yeah, that's why I think that's probably that probably only literally take me two or three, maybe four genuine pounds of body fat loss to feel actually now back on. I feel alright about myself. So, not like I feel like I said. I, I want to put it into context. It's not like I'm sitting there going, "Oh my god, I feel horrible." Like I really need to diet. Not at all. Because I've kind of toyed the idea, just going, "Nah, I'm not bothered." Actually, I'm just going to carry on. Because if we weren't doing this, I wouldn't be dieting. We weren't exactly. going, we weren't going well. I'd be keep pushing for now because I feel that I've got a little bit of leeway to go in terms of peak mass. Um, and even then, even if it became that, do you know what, this isn't efficient or optimal because of like, oh, well, actually, I'm off work and I'm enjoying the a bit of flexibility in in kind of like food and stuff. And I mean, and the fact that I've got nothing to worry about, Christmas is coming up and stuff like that. I'd be like, even if it wasn't optimal, maybe I'd still keep pushing because why not? You know, but. Yeah, it's a tough one, and I think psychology does does kind of weigh a lot of decisions. But at the same time, sometimes it can weigh those decisions a little bit too much and and sway them too much. Um, and sometimes that's when you have to kind of like yeah, that's almost a, have an outside influence to to stop you doing that. That's a good, um, way, good way of putting yeah. it. In that, it's almost like like I think what you've just said there is that it is it weighs it and that's fair and that that is very genuine and fair that psychology should play a part but like you say it's the point you said where too much sometimes it pays not too much and that's when you do need someone to kind of rein you in a little bit and say hang on a minute given because you know we know with clients sometimes 
Um, and I've got a client in mind at the moment where historically in the past it's been quite difficult to get them to kind of push their weight up a bit because they're a bit like me and they don't like being like that. But mm-hmm. we, we know it's their end goal is that's what's required and you kind of have to then kind of manage their expectations if they don't do it. So to, to just try and get that buy-in. Um, yeah. Yeah, you get that with anybody who's, especially if you're naturally quite lean, getting them to then push their weight so they can gain muscle or whatever the whatever it may be it's it's really tough and kind of mentally it's really tough and yeah psychology does play a big thing it's like uh, people who are sort of serial dieters and you know, they'll put on half kilo over a weekend and be like I've got a diet now for the next 6 weeks um uh, and that's kind of not the not not the way to be really um or if their weight goes up like say higher than it's ever been before then they want to pull the plug on any massing session and, and just want to be like, no, 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 just like get straight back down there to a, to a weight where they, a number that they feel comfortable. Um, but then if they are gaining muscle, then that number, it kind of means nothing now um, because hopefully they have a little more body mass from, from muscle and it, all right, it's not going to be a kilo or two kilos, but um, yeah, that, that number is now all of a sudden become meaningless because uh, they don't know kind of where they're at with, with muscle and fat might, and all that sort of stuff. So. It might be a kilo or two kilos. Who knows? Yeah, well, you know, if you if you're doing something right, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so. if you're not, if you haven't been training, if you if you haven't been training for like well for ten years, if you're less than that, and you have a decent year, you could put on a few pounds of muscle. Most people. Could. Oh, but yeah, 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 yeah. You could, you could, especially if you're in your say your first years, or if you haven't been training properly and you optimize things. Then. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. So um, yes, I think other than that, what else have I been up to? Not a lot. I've been days out with the kids and the wife, which has been lovely. Um, Enjoy it all. Spending too much money, though. That's the problem. Way too much money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I. That's why I really wanted to go on a ride today. We're supposed to be saving and all this for houses and stuff. And um, and, and I knew full well if we didn't go out and do something that was going to take up most of the day, we'd end up going out for lunch and we'd end up going like somewhere that's just going to cost like you know over fifty quid or whatever. And you're just like, oh, oh just yeah. yeah, don't need that. Don't need that. Right. So, so um, yeah, no, that is me. Not much else to report. I don't think. Um, football's well as in Liverpool way up the fucking your head son um, nice to see him beat Norwich last week bear in mind I live in Norwich my parents are season ticket holders so that's great no, I'm joking <laughs> I wish, I'd be honest I follow Norwich very much and I wish them well obviously Timu Pookie as they say around this part scored a hat-trick yesterday which was um, very good so to beat Newcastle so I can't complain life's good um, very good 30 minutes in Bloody hell. Um, we today at Young Edward wanted to speak <laughs> about a topic that follows on from last week. So last week, if you hadn't listened, we spoke about the common mistakes people make when they start to diet or start a diet phase. Um, this week, we're going to talk about the common mistakes people make when they first start a resistance training program. Okay, yeah. So this could be like when we say program, it makes it almost sound like they are following something, um, whereas these probably relate a bit more to people who aren't, who are just kind of winging it, I suppose, like when they first start training yeah, or yeah, start training properly, not just going to the gym once a week, but start start training properly. Yeah. Maybe, maybe uh, take out the word program then, let's just say when they first start resistance training. I kind of wanted, because obviously the point's to be specifically around resistance training, not just start an exercise, because obviously that could then bring in all forms of exercise. Uh, but yeah, just resistance training. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think most of these apply to men and women. Um, some probably 
apply a little more to to one gender than the other but i think most of them apply to to both yeah i think that's probably just because due to gender personality preferences if that's yeah that and uh, perceived not tradition but perceived kind of what you have to do it's kind of tradition yeah. yeah 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 so i think definitely for the first one so let's crack on with that so the first one we've kind of decided is using too light of a weight and i think this one is definitely doing a lot more by females because they have the whole oh i don't want to get too big syndrome um if you call it a syndrome <laughs> um but yeah you do you do get that then yeah i don't want to get too big i don't want to get too bulky so i'm just gonna lift the one kilos um but then also you get a lot of guys doing it because they don't know you have to lift heavy to gain any sort of muscle. Um, so again, if whoa, guys... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Lifting... That was a sweeping statement, Edward. Well, all right, unless you're doing like one million sets. Um, I think it's just a bit more nuanced, nuanced, nuanced than um, that. But I just don't want to mislead people by saying you have to lift heavy. No, I'm not saying you have to go do one RMs of you know the most weight you can do without snapping your back. Well, um, well, because obviously the first one came out was using too light a weight, and obviously I will let you continue. Um, but the second one was also to use too heavy a weight. At some point, maybe we'll start to explain um, the the kind of the, the the range you need to stay in within in terms of intensity. So, like percentage one RM, um, say uh, to for hypertrophy, what what is effective basically. So, so that people, way people can quantify well, what is too light a weight and what is um, too heavy a weight, say, and why. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so you if, carry you carry on with, with don't do that yet. We'll, you carry on with lightweight. Yeah, yeah. So if you are thinking you need to be doing sets of thirty or forty, and unless it's like ridiculously specific to an endurance sport you're doing or something like that, which I you know in talking about the population we're talking about. I, probably don't think that is the case unless you've been reading the wrong things um yeah if, if you're kind of going in and you're not getting i don't want to say you're not getting a sweat on but if you're not um if you're not finding it hard by your last few reps then you are most likely definitely using too light of a weight um yeah and we'll kind of i suppose categorize that a little bit better when we go on to the too heavy a weight but um yeah if it's not if it's not particularly hard and you don't feel like you've train by the end of it and you don't feel like you've been to the gym then i'd probably say you're lifting too light um but then also i think you get people who think they're training hard and think yeah i've had a great session i've got a great pump and also potentially could be training a little bit too light and that's when things like um you, the you know rate of perceived exertion where you you kind of judge you know actually how hard was it you know if 10 was like dying um how hard was it on that scale and if you've were to go to absolute failure where you couldn't possibly lift the weight again how many reps from that are you um and if you're kind of like oh probably five then you know in any unless you're deloading then you are definitely training too light or you've got an injury or something yeah i think i think like the the point what or the reason why i come to that is because obviously when you are new you, you know like some people go in really heavy straight away like with high expectations or maybe kind of <laughs> A, 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 some <laughs> overconfidence on what they can and can't do necessarily I suppose but a lot of people go in just and just go really light because they don't know what they're doing and they'll just go in and they'll they'll just pick like you know take, might just go in and think oh, okay that person over there I know what a squat is so they'll they'll pick up a barbell um, off the rack you know not the power rack they'll just go over to one of those like pyramid racks where you know you've got your your five your ten your fifteen and they'll pick up the ten and they'll you know they'll 
meal press over their head and just lay on the shoulder and then they'll rep out 20 reps and then they'll go oh yeah done and I think the problem is is like they'll do that for most exercises and then they'll go away thinking they've had a good workout and you know something is better than nothing to start with because your body will adapt you know if you've never done anything and you start to do something there will be a level of, of adaptation straight away um, but a lot of people then go in and just they then get this fear of actually increasing the weight and putting more weight on they just get this routine habit of going in and doing the same weight there's something that I've seen with with quite a few clients that have never really resisted train or resistance train trained is that resistance trained yeah yeah <laughs> so I caught myself saying that I've funny. said so many words are any of these words even yeah. real <laughs> um, resistance trained a lot and that's obviously one of the problems I have is that it just they have this fear of actually ever putting anything that seems hard so kind of and this this will make more sense when we start to quantify it a bit better but it kind of lines again with your point around like they just they don't want to then put some weight on where they think oh this actually is quite difficult man like you know I think it's a fear of failing almost as well like especially I know we talked about it with Johnny was it last week or the week before where and I know it was when you two were talking about it wasn't it when I wasn't on and um, and you were saying about like nobody gives a shit what you're doing in the gym unless you're doing something really bad um, and like you know I don't know like doing neck curls or something uh, nobody's looking at you unless you're making an absolute tit of yourself but if you're just going in and, and you know following what it says on the diagram on the resistance machine or you, you know, you're basically just copying off kind of what everybody else is doing or what your introduction has shown you doing those and even if you uh, you know, can't do any more bicep curls, and you end up drop, not dropping the dumbbell, but like you know, can't can't physically lift it up anymore. Or even if you even if you do pin yourself on the bench press, like it's everybody's worst fear. Um, but everybody starts from somewhere, and also people are going to go, oh, you know, what he's worked hard there, or she's worked really hard there. Um, whereas if you're kind of going in and like like you say, um, picking up the ten kilo easy curl bar, um, and then you know doing twenty reps and then putting it back on a uh, you know, bench press or something. Um, it's better to, to push yourself than to, to kind of play it too safe. Uh, definitely. I think um, so. On the light aspect or spectrum, is there's there's a few decent research papers out. Obviously, a popular one by Schoenfeld around comparing hydrotrophic uh, hydrotrophic. Oh, hell, Jesus Christ! Sunday night, Ed's drinking beer, and I'm the one that sounds drunk. Um, Hypertrophy, yeah, and um, basically comparing <laughs> hypertrophy between some some groups, um, kind of low rep, um, heavy weight, low weight, heavy rep groups, say is the easiest way to kind of put it for those listening, uh, and the kind of the cutoff point was seen that anything I, th- I can't remember off the top of my head what it was now, but about thirty percent one RM um, was the lower group, still uh, showed similar muscle growth to. I can't remember what the top end was, but I don't know, let's say 85 plus, I guess, uh, in terms of 1RM. So 1RM, one rep max. So if the maximum you could do for one rep is say 100 kilos on a squat, say, then obviously that'd be 85 kilos or 30 kilos, but if you were, you know, 30% RM, 85% 1RM. Um, But as long as volume is kind of equated, for the most part, you see similar growth thing, but anything below 30, I think they thought, well, obviously that seems like it doesn't have the same hydrotrophy hydro- results. I remember, yeah, hydro- I remember reading this a while ago and thinking 30% is ridiculously low. It was a lot lower than what I expected it to be. Um, and I, can't, I don't think they did it in, the, the increments were quite big, weren't they, the percentage in- increments? Yeah. Uh, they were quite chunky, so it wasn't as if they were 
grading between even 30 and 40 percent it was like 30 and 60 percent or something if i remember rightly uh, it was a while ago when i read that day yeah uh, i yeah. find it actually because i think it was the effects of different intensities of resistance training with equated volume load dot 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 hold on hurry up and load motherfucker uh on muscle strength and hypertrophy it's basically said with volume equated they found similar response so basically the end result is to say that between say uh, and I'm going to find that that's 80%, I think, the top group. So it's uh, 20, 40, 60, 80 was the uh, groups that they put them in. But they basically showed similar across all groups as long as volume was equated. But obviously the lower end, saying 30, seemed to be the, the cutoff point or an agreed cutoff point where they thought that that was, um, yeah, that, that was the, the basically the lowest intensity that is, is kind of, show some sort of stimulus and I guess that's because at some point um, there needs to be enough stimulus on the muscle to, to basically recruit all of those motor units in and muscle fibers basically in that muscle so and it's a bit like walking really if, if there wasn't a lower threshold walking would get your legs jacked because you just do so much high loads of volume walking all the time like you could just walk for 12 hours a day and have huge legs if there was no kind of threshold of intensity where um, to recruit muscle units because otherwise like say you, you just get jack legs walking around so, yeah exactly yeah and, and i think this is the problem when we, why we're saying like using a too light a weight is yes there'll be some adaptation to start with but you need to kind of um get between those kind of uh, like intensity percentages at some point so more than 30 percent of your one rm at some point and obviously as you get stronger you, obviously that will will as a percentage as because it's obviously relative given it's a percentage that will go up anyway you have to increase the load over time otherwise you just you, you aren't going to continue any progression obviously that will kind of link into another point later as such yeah 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 and um also if you're equating volume and you're going too low in that percentage how many reps and sets are you doing you'd be there all day just doing one exercise yeah um so I mean, yeah. If you do, if you're doing a thirty RM, uh, sorry, yeah, a thirty percent RM uh, exercise, yeah, you're going to be doing thirty, forty, fifty reps. Which, yeah, it's going to hurt every time, but that's probably more likely lactic acid than yeah. uh, micro tears in the muscle. So, and don't don't have genuine fatigue. Well, when we, if you go back, and I can't remember what episode it was, you speak about when we talk, spoke about what is considered the the main um, drivers of hypertrophy. Metabolic stimulus, i.e., things like a build-up of metabolites, um, basically you know, things like lactic acid and, and other stuff. With that, there is some element of that is linked to muscle growth. So there might be some reasons to include higher rep work, like up to 30, 40 reps. Maybe I don't program it personally. I, I think you can probably still get most of your bread and butter done with with lower rep ranges than that. Um, but I know some people do because they like to kind of go through and use some, aka pump work. Um, and, and kind of get that side because I guess it's like if you're maxim if you're maximizing lots of other stuff like you're doing lots of heavy weights and different rep ranges and stuff, it's just another element and another different type of stimulus to add into the mix to try and hopefully get the most optimal muscle growth. So there might be some use for it, but basically don't go too light all the time. Like basically, I suppose what I'm saying is, and just to draw a line under this because I guess we've we've gone on about a lot, you have to challenge yourself. So if you're using too lightweight and you're not challenging yourself, you're not really going to be grown, to put it in its simplest terms. It's probably the easiest thing. And if somebody's selling you a 50 rep every set plan, they're a dig. 
Don't buy it. You spend 14 million years in the gym as well, getting it done. <laughs> God, right. yeah. This so, is my two exercise, two set thing. And here's 50 quid and yeah. Yeah. No. So let's so just moving on to like heavier weight then. So I'll, I'll kind of give my views on it. I think like, again, often people go in and they'll, as I say, they'll go in and they'll start and they'll maybe have these expectations of, or higher expectations of what they can do really and what they, they can physically actually manage. So they might go in and just kind of pick up one of the heaviest weights there and, and just kind of, you know, you see the guys go and do like a, a half rep bench press or a half rep squat with, with more weight than they should be using. Now, the problem with that is you've obviously got a massively increased risk of injury as well. But by doing that, you're going to have issues for obviously injury, muscle injuries, joints, tendons, ligaments. Um, but you're also not really going to be creating an optimal stimulus of that muscle to get it to grow because you're going to be using things like momentum. As I say, you're going to be using all different muscle groups to try and cope with the additional weight. So you might start to, your body will just, it's smart. It will naturally recruit other muscle groups to try and help move that weight. Um, and not just the muscle that you're trying to focus on to grow. Like in a bench press, you'll all, all of a sudden start using way more um, like anterior delt, way more um, like tricep and, and and less focus on the chest and other stuff to try and um, get that, that uh, bench press done. Because otherwise, you're just going to fail or you, you're at risk of crushing yourself. So which is not necessarily ideally what you want to do when you're trying to focus on building a bigger chest. So... If you go too heavy, one, you're not going to provide a correct stimulus and you can end up just spinning your wheels for ages because you're just going too heavy. And two, you're just at a massively increased risk of injury. Yeah, I think there's a couple of... I completely agree with everything you said. I think there's always two ways you can take this. Too heavy a weight is in you're kind of working in the wrong rep range. So you think, right, yeah, yeah, well, I'm going to progress again. And all of a sudden you're doing three or four reps on a dumbbell bench press well, is that really that kind of good for that exercise? Um, and is that really good for what you're wanting to do in your development? Uh, so you kind of have two heavy ends in like, yeah, you could lift it, but you're just not doing anywhere near enough reps that you kind of should be for your goal. Um, and then also, as you say, too heavy is in like, it's physically too heavy for you. And uh, I think the biggest one that I see in the gym is when you get young teenage lads that are coming in and they start deadlifting for the first time. Like sometimes a form can be okay, um, but mostly questionable and nine times out of ten they'll be like they'll put it on and be like yeah so I've just done like five reps with that and then their mates will be egging them on god can you do heavier or they're trying to like impress their mates and then all of a sudden they turn it into like a, a one rep max off um, with horrendous horrible disgusting form that is going to be snap city um, and, and there's no need for it it's just a dick measuring competition before you've even hit puberty like it's pointless um so uh, yeah and that's that's one i've seen quite a few times and normally somebody will step in and go lads you're gonna hurt yourself stop it um but uh, yeah with, with your compounds you definitely see it a lot and it's always deadlifts you don't and bench press a lot as well and you, you may end like <laughs> you always see their mates like two of them uh, one either side like there's a powerlifting competition basically doing bicep kills with this guy's bench press um, and they've got like 100 kilos on it and the guy himself only weighs about 30 kilos and there's no way you could even lift 30 kilos like that in 100 uh, yeah, yeah I, I suppose another thing I didn't mention as well is going too heavy you then also might uh, end up not only with the injury perspective but also might then just get, not give yourself enough time to recover because obviously going so heavy causes so much muscle damage so much m more um, motor unit recruitment 
Um, there's a lot of things going around at the minute, and there's isn't there around effective reps and debate around like maybe it's the last few reps maybe of any type of uh, of working set that is the the kind of the main driver or the main cause of of hypertrophy. But obviously, you've kind of got to do like if you're doing a twenty rep uh, set with the appropriate weight, you've kind of got to do the first. 15 16 reps to get the last few because you can't just go oh, i'm just gonna skip to the last four because obviously it doesn't work like that <laughs> yeah yeah um, so I, I guess like that term effective reps is, is a funny thing because obviously you still got to do the first ones to get to the effective reps but obviously going heavier all of your reps arguably in air quotes are effective from the start so if you're going like i think the a lot of talk around like the 85 percent again rm mark of um, every all of your motor units are recruited from rep one almost. So if you're doing like a five rep max uh, or five rep set, um, event, you should be getting all of your units recruited from the from the first rep. So therefore, those effective reps should stimulate hypertrophy from rep one. Um, but then you've kind of got this argument of like, yeah, but if you do that and you're saying right, okay, well if that's the case, then why would I ever bother doing twenty rep, rep max? I'll just do five reps because the problem is a lot harder to do that and equate the volume for it in terms of however you want to whatever uh, term you want to use to obviously calculate volume but and because of that then it leads to more injury risk again and you're going to just get beat up over time because it's so like you doing like three sets on a lot lighter weight uh, even if you've got to do more reps is a lot lot more taxing for your body in terms of like central fatigue and localized fatigue than doing three sets of heavy work on four or five reps say so yeah, you kind of yeah, yeah. way up basically what you can lift, how much recovery that you can also then kind of get in, or how much you can recover from. I think with that as well, like it comes from if you're somebody who has started to go to the gym and has then started following, I don't know, like bodybuilders or something, and they're talking about how they smash themselves into the ground, or you like you say you sign up to like Jordan Peterson's site and you're looking at him and people like James Hollingshead on there and Jamie Johal and all those types of people. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I smash myself into the ground every session. I, you know, I, I, the set doesn't finish unless I've hit failure and, you know, stuff like that. Um, and, and if you're listening to that and thinking, right, well, that's, that's the reason why in my last three sessions, well, my first three sessions, I haven't got huge because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Um, but then you're not also twigging the fact that they are taking assistance to help with their recovery um you're never going to recover from that if you do six exercises three sets on each and you're smashing yourself into the ground on every single set then you're you're not going to be recovered for three or four days later to hit that muscle group again and you're probably not even going to go to the gym the next day uh because you can't even move the muscle that you've been working or if you've done like an upper body session then yeah or even worse legs because if your legs are hurting you definitely don't want to go to the gym even to do upper body so yeah yes I think we've smashed that one, Edward. Smashed. Um, so we've kind of hinted to this already, but point number three was having no progression model or even tracking to know about whether you're progressing. Yeah, it's, again, if you're just going in, spinning your wheels, doing something different every session, um, if you're just kind of going in and doing whatever's free, um, lifting whatever the person before was lifting, or you know, just going in and doing the same weight, same weight, same weight, not realizing that you need to up your weight, uh, then yeah, then you, you, you're never really gonna get anywhere. You're gonna peak out, like we said. Um, 
if you walked everywhere, then your legs would just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But because the stimulus isn't enough to provoke the muscle building, um, then yeah, then, then it's not going to grow. It's like the the age old of um, if you're a manual labourer. So you, if you you're, you know you're a dog's body on a building site, um, you you're constantly moving and carrying things and stuff. And you're only going to get strong up to a point. You're not really going to get any stronger unless you start carrying and lifting bigger and heavier things. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, that, apart from the, the only person I've not seen this as the case with is um, somebody I visited this week, a guy who's delivered at uni, Charlie. And he's a farmer. And you know, he's always been a big lad. And he stopped training and he lost loads of muscle because um, he just didn't train for a couple of years um when he when he basically left university and um i saw him this weekend and i've not seen him for i don't know uh, three or four months and all of a sudden his arms are freaking huge like double the size of what they were before and he hasn't been going to the gym um but it is harvest season he's probably been like lifting bales and stuff and his arms are just blown up from it it's ridiculous yeah well i like i was liking it to um I think I don't. I think I don't think I was about to say mythology, but I don't think it's actually a myth. I think it's actually history. But something they uh, or Zordos, Mike Zordos. I think it's Zordos. It might have been Helms. I can't remember which one. They use uh, an analogy in the Shredded by Science content. Um, Milo of Croton. Have you ever heard of that? But basically, a Greek dude who got jacked lifting a calf up a hill. Because basically, as the calf got bigger, obviously he had to lift more weight as that got bigger and bigger. Every time he lifted it up the hill, like say he lifted his calf up daily. Um, he got bigger to obviously to adapt and get strong enough to lift the calf up the hill as that got bigger. And that's the same principle. It's a really good analogy for people obviously in the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't if you don't have some form of progression, so you don't do more, and obviously that can be the, in the form of heavier weight. It can be the um, form of more workload, i.e. more volume. Um, but if you don't do more over time or improve over time, you will not adapt. Your body won't adapt. You need to give it some form of stimulus to force it to adapt over time. I think the problem is like a lot of people will say, yeah, but I go in and work my damn hardest. So surely as I get better and stronger, I can work harder and the, the, or naturally just kind of progress over time. And like, I guess that sounds like a really logical thing as in, well, yeah, actually, if you go in and smash yourself, you should adapt and, and get stronger or whatever. And then if you go in and smash yourself as hard as you can again, you should adapt and get stronger again. And you should, over time, lift more or lift heavier or whatever. But I think the problem is it doesn't doesn't relate to like the psychology of it. Because the problem is, is once you get to a certain level, like when you can go in the gym, you can basically do that. You can freewheel it and you'll probably just, you will progress over time because you will end up lifting more because you will put a bit more on and you will lift a bit, you know, a few more reps or a few more sets or whatever. But it does get to a point where you kind of think to yourself, and I've done this, you kind of think to yourself like, oh yeah, I'm going to go into what am I squatting today? And you, you pick up a weight and you start warming up or whatever else. And then you look at your logbook, assuming that you've tracked and you've got a logbook, um, or, you know, as as me, the digital form, I notes on my phone. And I'll think to myself, cool, I probably need to squat about 100 kilos today, right? And then you look back and you think, oh, fuck me, last week I squatted 120 no way am I going to fucking attempt that this week. You just don't feel like you can do it. And it's not until you kind of then get through it and you squat that 120 where you think, had I not looked at my load book, I'd have got to 104. Fuck me, this is hard. I'm not doing it anymore. Because you naturally just get to a point where the psychology of lifting, like it's not a nice thought 
to it's quite intimidating at some point and i've said previously in the past like you know there's been times where i felt anxious about sessions because i know what i've got to go in and do because i've looked at my logbook i looked at my notes and thought shit that feels like it's going to be really hard like and if i was just freewheeling it or winging it i wouldn't do it i would just work up and go actually no i'm not doing it sorry i was muted um yeah no no exactly and we've done it all like loads of us have done it it's very like dumbbell bench press you're like oh yeah I'm, I did the 30s last week I'm sure that feels quite easy maybe I'll do the 32s and you'll do that for like six weeks until you realise oh no no now I should be pushing up for the 34s um, yeah it, it's it's so so easily done unless you write it down you forget where you were at especially if you're doing like six seven exercises and five week, five days a week um, you, you, you aren't going to remember them all and most people are oh yeah I've got a brain I, I've said that loads of times Got a brain, don't need a piece of paper. Yeah. Um, I, but I, you 100% forget I, where you've progressed. I honestly don't necessarily think it's even... There is obviously an element of forgetting, but I don't. I honestly don't think a lot of it is to do with forgetting either. It's it's more to do with the fact that it's intimidating. Um, some of the... Like, when you when you get to a certain level where... And it's relative, don't get me wrong. Like, people will look at my weights and think, that ain't going to fucking scare anybody, mate. But obviously, for me, they are incredibly heavy. So, like, you do get to a point where if you didn't know what you'd previously done by referring back to logbooks like the weights on the bars that you're now starting to do, like especially because you know, you're warming up to a weight, you start getting heavier, um, as everyone should warm up, um, and they feel hard. You're like, oh, well, this feels like I'm now at a hard, this is what I should be working at because it's hard. But it isn't until you look back at your logbook you think, did I really manage that last week? Like, and, oh shit, have I got to do it again this week? Or I've got to beat that this week? It's like, fuck me, that's quite intimidating. So you just, I think if you didn't know that and you just went by feel, and you went by work hard, bro, and that's the basically the, the analogy you had. You'd stop at a lightweight, and you'd then at some point you would stop progressing because you wouldn't take into account the psychology of it all. Yeah, yeah. I think also some people don't want to look like a Wally with a bit of paper or a notepad or or anything like that. But there's no shame in it. And if nobody else is doing it in your gym, then you're probably not a very good gym. Or you're in a gym where people don't really take their lifting too seriously. Um, whereas if you go into like a proper hardcore bodybuilders gym everybody's got a notebook pretty hey, much I like um, the, the, obviously when I trained with Dan Mac he got his little notebook out in notebook and I got my out my fucking phone I was like mate I've got like 642 notes in my note from every week of work or micro cycles worth of training that I've done for the last like three years in my iPhone um, and the, basically whenever I get time it doesn't happen weekly but like maybe monthly I'll just go pop that into one of our training templates so I can measure my progression over time yeah um, but that's all there on my phone. So I can always look back at any week I want, at any point. You know, I don't have to have a notebook. I don't want to, like, people feel like, no one should feel silly have a notebook. But if you do, use your fucking phone. Like, literally, just type mm-hmm. out notes. Monday, squat, X weight, times how many reps, times how many sets, whatever. Or you, you just put your set numbers down. It's like, fucking hell, isn't that hard? Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Di- yeah, absolutely. Di- digress and rant. Um, look up Milo Croton if anyone's interested. Very interesting story. Number four, following the latest men's health plan. These, uh, I, like many, many people, used to, I mean, just using this as a very specific example, uh, used to buy men's health weekly, uh, monthly. I used to have the, uh, the subscription, actually. Um, and I used to, it started to, to get to me, the fact that everything was different. Everybody, every other article contradicted the first one and, and all that. So um, that, that's kind of one thing. Uh, the fact that if you are following such things, you're probably jumping from one plan to the next plan to the next plan because 
uh, one week there was a really cool looking body weight exercise thing. Then there was a really cool looking kettlebell exercise. Then you've got the latest rugby player telling you how how he trains. So then you start training like that following his plan. And then you start following the cover model six pack abs plan. And then you start following something else, uh, a powerlifting plan. Um, so you have no consistency. So you're not able to progress and stuff like that on that. Um, and then also, like some of these plans are so toss. Uh, when you look at them, you just think, right, there's somebody who's never heard of exercise plan this because this is terrible. Sorry, my kettle's boiling. My wife has decided rudely to make a cup of tea, so I'd muted myself. <laughs> probably, probably for the best. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, there can be. But at the same time, though, it can be a really good place to start if you have no idea. Just don't then change your plan the next month because. Um, because the next issue is out telling you you need to do another um, another plan of some description. Um, yeah, it, it, it can be it can be a good starting place, but I would probably look to somebody who you follow uh, that has a bit more credibility than you know a multi thousand issue selling magazine that yeah. sells it every month and makes millions. Um, yeah, the, the, the big the biggest issue is they're just not tailored or bespoke in any way. And not like everyone needs to have a fully bespoke, tailored plan, like exactly for their needs. Because to be honest, a lot of people starting out don't need that. Like a generic plan is usually pretty good as a starting point for most people. But the problem is they're like the most of the ones you see in men's health are like the extremes, like you know, like the the one hundred challenge where you do a hundred fucking reps of everything, or the I don't know whatever type of they're always got a name, they always got an extreme workout thing. They're never a very well rounded like good gen- generic or general plan for people they're usually something that like just probably wouldn't fit with each individual's goal of any sort so it's kind of like mm-hmm. and then because they don't then have a progression model or anything alongside of them if you're kind of new to it and you just start following this workout plan you don't really know what to do next you might go and do a week of that or get bored and then just think oh don't really know i'll just carry on lifting the same weights and yeah i just don't think it, it helps a lot of people and also they sometimes they only give one day as well they don't give three four five days depending on what, or they'll tell you, you need to train for like the, so okay, so kind of going from the men's health, health thing, but when you buy templates from people, um, I remember I bought a Mark Coles one, um, and it was a, a, like a muscle building physique thing, and um, there was no, all right, yeah, it was a fairly general plan, it was, wasn't was a, a bad plan or anything, but it was like, you need to train five days a week, you need to eat this much food, you need to do this with it, this with it, this with it. And it was like, right, okay, well, I can't do that and I can't do that. I don't want to do that. And there was no kind of, yeah, there was no, it was this way or the highway. And yeah, no, exactly, exactly. So, you know, if you can only train for three days a week and you can only train for 45 minutes each session, then these plans are probably not going to be for you if it's a five-day, three-hour gym session program for the extreme. The other risk is just kind of jumping from one exercise plan to another because obviously you're just following every month the new one that's out in the next month and it's kind of like you're not going to see any progression or kind of give anything enough time or credence to see true development because you're just jumping from one exercise plan to another and they're not sticking with anything long enough to get results yeah yeah I said that yeah yeah yep. oh, I, I said that I said, I said that first that was my idea you stole it number five I think a lot of people and you kind of have already said this do too much too soon. 
Yeah, uh, a girl who used to work for me, she was like, Ed, you'd be so proud of me. I've started going to the gym. Brilliant. You know, how many times have you been? So I hadn't seen her for like a week or so. And um, she's like, I've been every night this week. I absolutely love it. And then I saw her about a week later. She said, how's the gym going? Um, I got bored of it because I did too much. And, well, have you been this week at all? No, I was tired. So I had one day off and I've not been back. It's like, oh, I, like, I, I didn't manage five this week. I skipped one. So because I only managed... Because I managed to like miss, well, so no, say I did five last week and I didn't manage to go Monday, so I'm not bothered going the rest of the week because you know I didn't manage to do five. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly, exactly. So uh, and I, she she then stopped going for a while and then she said, oh, I'm going to start going again. What should I do? Should I do cardio resistance and all this and you know one of those kind of questions? And I said, look, whatever you do, just don't go every single day because one, you'll get bored of it. Two, you'll just burn yourself out and you'll feel dead. Um, yeah. So you give yourself no leeway to progress. Exactly. Where's your recovery time yeah. if you're constantly beating yourself up? I think, like, basically, it's a bit like diet in that if you try and go in and aim to be perfect, when you fail, you'll just fail hard because you can't be perfect. You'll just think, oh, fuck it, I'm going to blow it all out of the water. You'll have this all or nothing mindset. Um, and, like, the, the training bits are similar, but also, like, if you. Um, go to the gym and start training five days a week it's like okay brilliant oh I'll do six next week and then you do six and then like you do seven well you can't do eight and you can't do nine it's like come on just ease yourself in give yourself some leeway to kind of progress over time just focus on something small to start with and just build over time don't just kind of go all straight into the deep end I think the other thing is obviously going in and basically the point you made smash yourself so hard that you're sore for a week and a half and think I ain't fucking going back after that session just go in and just do too much I've done that I remember when I first started going to the gym when I was 18 um, and admittedly I probably still did very little and got sore as hell and then didn't want to go back for a week so even yeah it's that new stimulus thing isn't yeah, it you're going to get you, that level if you yeah more, if you more never exercised yeah, if, if you've never ever exercised, you're probably going to feel a little bit sore no matter what you do. Yeah. Uh, which, is more, which is more Especially, reason not to go in, smash it for the first day. Yeah, take it easy. Yeah, yeah, but not too easy. No, well, the first, like <laughs> I say, you you're, you're going to get a bit sore to start with. Go in, do a little bit, feel a little sore, go back, do a bit more. You'll start to get the repeat about effect where you'll feel less sore, and then you can build over time. Just don't go and smash yourself on day one and then feel like, fuck, am I doing that shit again? Yeah, I had a conversation with the barber this week, and um, he's only a young lad, and he was saying he does full body sessions three to four times a week, and then it turned into two, three times a week. <laughs> so, but he was he started off three to four times a week. Should I do a fifth full body session? And I just so then I explained recovery and all that sort of stuff to him, and um, and it, it, it's kind of like a prime example that you're going in and doing a little bit too much of the same thing. You need to go in and, and mix it up a bit in terms of doing a body part split or that sort of thing. And I explained that to him and he, he said it made sense. So uh, fingers crossed um, he kind of maybe tweaks his things and if he's wanting to go to the gym more, then, then brilliant. But there isn't like a golden rule of you have to go five times a week or you, know, you have to go on a Monday, a Wednesday and a Friday. Just you know, if, if you're time uh like if your time's not on your side and you know you might be able to go in for a half hour on a monday but then you can do an hour on a wednesday and then you can only do 40 minutes on a thursday then 
go for it. That's fine. You know, that's when you need a slightly more adaptable plan to, to, to suit that. So, yeah. So, so it's interesting. Helms um, has had apparently some very good success at doing, I think he said four or maybe five, I can't remember, four body workouts a week. He talked about them for a few podcasts. Yeah. And they were a bit of a thing of, uh, maybe 18 months ago where I knew loads and loads and loads of PTs and coaches saying, yeah, I'm switching to full body workouts. And you have to be very, very clever with how you periodize your exercises throughout the week. So if you're going in and doing squats Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, like then you're going to beat yourself into the ground. But whereas if you do kind of like a compound one day and then a bit more uh, lighter stuff the next day and doing a slightly different range and, and and a different kind of range of motion and all that sort of stuff then you do you go back to like the first thing the next day um i think yeah you could get some decent results from it i do think though that the impact on the joints and the tendons and things like that um i do think that really does beat people up and i remember um previous guests dan um i can't remember his name dan which one osman mike and dan mike and dan meek Meek, sorry, yeah, Dan Meek, his name escaped me. Um, I remember he did it uh, with a few other guys, like I say, eight months ago, something like that. And they did it for a few months, and then there was, he was just like, I am so beat up all the time. I, I, I physically just feel like absolute crap all the time because I'm just like, everything hurts, everything aches. Um, yeah, and it just it doesn't, doesn't like, it's not conducive over time. Yeah. Um, no, no, I agree. I so. agree. There's definitely some complexities you have to overcome but i still think like, i wouldn't mind giving it a go really see it's just obviously a difficult thing to put all not difficult thing not like programming yeah maybe it's a difficult thing to put i don't know basically there's a lot mm-hmm. you have to, I think it's good to have a lot of thought yeah, yeah you've got to consider a lot in terms of and like i say you you obviously then have, will have to include a lot of variety in terms of things like you say heavy light session different exercise patterns even slight different um movement patterns just to kind of get different angles on joints or like your wrists you might you know incline press one day and a flat bench the next because it's just a slight different you know press and motion on the wrists say or your shoulders or and i guess a lot of that will just be whatever works for the individual they'll have to experiment a bit to find out but it could be useful I don't know. Like, at least then you can probably attribute more volume over the week quite well because you're spacing it out it's a bit like doing mm. a one day or like a bro split of just smashing a body part one day you can do less volume than you would be able to do if you split it over you know like twice over the week and obviously it's the same principle but over maybe four or five times a week so yeah like, it's not that well researched though is it because uh, i think they went up to doing it three times a week and then they don't think there's much research beyond that and i think the research that there is was a bit like well it doesn't really make a difference there's no kind well, of significant jumps like the yeah others. yeah i mean obviously one two was better than one and three wasn't much better than two but mm. then obviously it's hard to tell because obviously there isn't enough body to I think be definitive about it and as I say that's why I kind of said Helms himself has had some anecdotal you know evidence around why he's felt quite good about it I know a couple of people I've listened to now have kind of decided to try something similar to see if it works and they've had some quite positive like comments to make about it so I might try it see how I get on who knows yeah I think you'd have to deload a lot more regularly uh, so at the moment you deload every fifth week mm-hmm. um I would probably say you'd have to deload maybe every three or four. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, don't know. I think yeah. I, I think that's just going to be come down to have you got all your recovery stuff in check, obviously. But then that goes with all training aspects, really. But mm. again, those factors of manipulating uh, like your rep ranges and your kind of exercise selection across each day, and just kind of basically managing your own like 
health and injury risk a bit better maybe I don't know anyway yeah um, yeah I think it'd be really interesting to program I just don't think I'd personally like to do it but if you know if somebody wants one of my clients wants to try it out I'd give them a six-week block of it and see how they went on. Yeah. I mean, you might they might see some positive results, but also you kind of got that factor of like, if people don't like training legs, say, or they find it difficult, like some people might go in and think, oh, I don't want to do legs today, I smash them. But you can go and do one exercise on legs and think, mm. I can do that, I can get over that. So psychologically, yeah. it might be a benefit of a bit of variety and a bit less stress in, in terms of having to kind of do, to do something maybe you don't necessarily like very much. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a that's a cracking point. And if, if people do kind of constantly keep skipping legs, just throwing one leg exercise per session and not at the end but in the middle or at the start um, yeah I think that that's a really great tool and that's a, a very good point and a good point yes. to end our five points mm-hmm. on so don't do too much too soon because you'll likely not you'll likely give up and not continue and as we know with dieting training exercise muscle building all of these things in fitness consistency is key absolutely absolutely um, and we are consistently long on every podcast so we are moving on to the good product bad product feature Ed let me turn off this stupid blur camera thing again because if not you're why do you turn it back on <laughs> no what that's that default's um, on okay so we have USN it's a bottled protein shake RTD, um, ready to drink uh, so we've got lactose free trust 25 protein I'm assuming that means there's 25 grams of protein per bottle yeah probably yeah 25 although I'm sure the other one's got 26 random the chocolate one but so oh. that's poor marketing because um, uh, chocolate's more anabolic I don't know perhaps um, so yes there is that chocolate caramel so it's a lactose free chocolate yep. what flavour does it say chocolate, chocolate caramel. caramel 25 grams of protein 178 calories not bad not bad ratio yeah, pretty good. Um, 75p, home bargains. Very good. And we have here... Edamame with dry roasted edamame with sea salt. Yes. Are they little edamame beans? Yeah, like little soybeans, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I can get one out if you want. Get them out, get them out, get them out. Can you see those? You love a good rustle when you're wearing headphones. Um, yes, yeah, they look like peas. They look like dry peas. Uh, Crunchy. Okay. Cool. Okay. So, um, right. So, good product, prod, bad, bad product. Uh, now, I saw your Instagram earlier, and the USN. I'm assuming this is it. The USN came out like cottage cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite anyway. like cottage cheese. It wasn't. Right. It wasn't lumpy. It was more like, more a like yogurt. You know, yeah, you know, like um, you get a chocolate dessert in a pot, like a chocolate mousse, but not a mousse, but like a dessert. Come out really thick Just like that. A little bit less gelatin yeah. in it, yeah. Um, it, it, came, it came out a bit like yogurt. Oh, um, hold on, but go quiet a second. Can you hear that? Like it's almost solid yeah. moving around in it. It's not even liquid. I don't know what was going on with these ready to drinks at the moment because one of my clients she keeps posting in our um, client group. Nat, Nat's just getting dodgy just... ones here. <laughs> yeah, she. Um, because her protein's a little bit low at the moment, so uh, she's eating on the fly a lot. So I've, I've recommended her having things like this around to, to pick up. And um, she's had so many that have come out like really watery, clumpy, um, just vile. Um, and, and basically, yours was the opposite of that. It was it, well, it was definitely clumpy, um, but yeah, it looked a bit like well, yogurt the say, way you poured it. I don't think it was. I wouldn't use the word clumpy. I think so. It, it wasn't. It wasn't lumpy or clumpy. Well, it did, I suppose it came out in clumps, but only because it's so thick. Well, it came out, yeah, it came out. It's almost like a blancmange, like a cold custard, a cold blancmange. <laughs> yeah, custard. That's because it's quite silky. 
Okay, so what you should definitely do is put that in the fridge, then whack it in a bowl and eat it like Angel Delight. I probably will have to consider doing that. Um, <laughs> what, what was funny is obviously uh, I put on my Instagram, um, did I actually drink this or not? <laughs> and uh, I, don't know what yeah, the, yeah. I don't know what the votes have I been. accidentally clicked no because I was trying to click through your stories. I accidentally pressed no. Um, but I, I, I hope you did. I imagine you probably had a little sip just to try it, but because um, I... Uh, but well, let's see. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it, if the flavour nice. If the flavour was nice, eat it like an angel delight with a spoon. If it wasn't nice, then it just needs to go in the bin. So far, fifty five percent says yes, I did drink it, and forty five said no. That is twenty seven. Twenty seven to th- um. Where's the nose? Yeah, twenty seven to twenty two votes for for no. So um. Yeah. The answer was I did. I did drink the motherfucker because I ain't wasting money. (laughs) To be fair, (laughs) it smelled all right, and I did dip my finger in, taste it. I thought, well, it tastes actually quite nice, but it's just such a weird texture. And I thought, oh well, I'll just try and down it. And I kind of did just like down it, but it was literally like trying to drink blancmange. Okay, so. Are we agreeing that the flavour was okay then, or not agreeing? Are you saying the flavour was okay? I'm saying good, good product, bad product. Okay, so I reckon the beans are probably quite tasty because it looks like half the pack's gone, and the USN is probably an avoid if the consistency is like that. But now I've said eat it like Angel Delight, you're probably going to change your mind a little bit. Um, I am going to categorise the edamame as good product, bang it, and I'm going to categorise the trust thing as bad product, only because I don't believe it's meant to be like that. I can't <laughs> no. believe that this is meant to be that thick in a bottle to drink because I'll be honest you would struggle to drink it like I, I had to shake it out of the glass to get it out or get it out of the bottle into a glass um, so yeah that's the only way it would come out otherwise it would probably just sat in there so if, um, but yeah if, if you're watching this before Monday the 19th evening go to Brett's Instagram and watch the video maybe you should just post it on your actual Instagram save the video and post it yeah um, I have yeah. saved the video because um, I'm going to send it to USN and say what the fuck is this yes yeah you um, should do yeah so anyway so yeah to be fair it was alright other than the consistency that still tasted alright I'm still not sure I was just waiting to think am I going to be ill after drinking it at lunchtime which I've not been ill so far so um, I do want to shout out these things though in the world food the Edamame was in the world food aisle of Tesco's £1.50 the a you mean yeah, the racist style. Unbelievable, <laughs> Jeff. So these are what I mentioned last week because I've got so per hundred grams. So this is a hundred gram bag, three hundred thirty-five calories, four grams of fat, thirteen grams of carbs, forty-five grams of protein per grams per grams. bag. So this you could eat this whole bag for three hundred thirty-five calories and consume forty-five grams of soya protein, which obviously isn't a bad. Um, vegan vegetarian source of protein so how much was the bag £1.40 or something if you think about okay. it you yeah. would pay £2.50 or I wouldn't some people would pay £2.50 for a 20 gram protein bar so yeah. 5 grams yeah. no, of they are, they are more rich to say it was like a fibre or something no. but yeah no, it's really good it's like yeah. £1.40 or something like that. but they, they are like anything dry roasted um, and slightly salty very moorish I can mm-hmm. easily smash the whole bag very nice so there you go good product bad product brilliant Sounds good. On that note, I believe we should let our listeners go because this is a long O episode. I hope it's been useful. I hope the rambling and still also been mildly entertaining. 
Everybody wants to know what we're up to week by week. Let's well, face it. Everybody well, wants to know. Mel does, but then she probably stalks <laughs> Dan more than she stalks us, unfortunately. If Dan had a podcast, she would switch and not be a listener anymore. She um, did comment on my comment about her being a psychopath last week and said that um, Dan does need to come on the podcast more. Yeah. It's been a while, actually, since he's been on, so, yeah. He's the only guest he's been on twice, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Maybe Stay time. Yeah. Right. Toodaloo. Toodaloo. Bye. Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.